Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBulsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan, the latter of which has uh, experience as a Georgia Bulldogs head coach. So at least one of us knows what the hell we're talking about. And that's, well, it's only one of us that knows what we're talking about. So we're here to pepper Coach Donnan with questions. And if you have questions, go ahead and put them in the comments section there. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, pop them in there. Also, just let us know where you're from and uh, follow us on those platforms. We just hit 39,000 subscribers. We really appreciate that. Uh, That's the fastest we've gone from, uh, fastest we've gained 1,000 subscribers ever, like two weeks. Uh, We went from 38 to 39. Now we want to get to 40,000. So please help us get there. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, Dane, I'm just going to, you know, normally we do our opening thoughts on the game and, you know, what happened last week and let's look ahead to this week. But we've got a lot of questions about last week, and I always feel that we kind of rush those at the end. Let's give the – this is a show for the people, so let's give them their chance to get questions answered by Coach Donnan. So why don't you start feeding them in there to him, and let's see what Coach Donnan has to say. Yeah, I think the fans kind of dictated this because I feel like a lot of our early talking points would have been the questions, so we'll let people ask it that way. Um, And a lot of these will end up being about offense. I want to start with Lump Dog, though, who even before I asked for questions sent one in. Uh, Coach Lump Dog asks, uh, I, I teach with one of the best math teachers in America. I try to emulate what she does. I follow the notes. I try to do the same activities and exams, copy everything, but I just can't teach as effectively of her. Is there an art to teaching that she understands, but I'm not quite there? Is it the same with coaching offense, or is there an art to calling plays versus a science of calling plays? Well, that's a good question, Lump Dog. The, the biggest thing for anybody in any profession uh, is to certainly know the guidelines that your boss wants you to uh, undertake, but you got to be yourself. You got to be comfortable in your own skin and you've got to uh, utilize the people that work with you, uh, whether regardless of what profession you're in, but particularly in football, uh, you've got assistant coaches that work with you. uh, You've got, uh, GAs that help you uh, prepare things and you uh, have a final exam every week on the Saturday morning at 12, 3 o'clock, <laughs> 7 o'clock. It's really a difference is that final exams in front of 96,000 people live and about five or six million on TV. So, uh, and you're going to get criticized as that goes with the, the territory, but you, you know, you got to have thin, skin in some jobs, but thick skin and uh, football, you can't get too caught up in what, as long as you feel like it, you're doing what you planned on doing. And uh, sometimes you got to give the other team credit. Sometimes you got to jump on your own guys for making mistakes. We see it day in and day out. Every game I watch pro football last night, I saw a quarterback is making more money until Joe Burrow signed his contract. Deshaun Watson last night, had two 15-yard penalties on himself for grabbing the other team's face mask. He had two touchdowns that the other team scored that he had something to do with. One of them was a tip pass for a touchdown by the Steelers, and the other one was a fumble that they picked up, uh, T.J. Watt. So he gave up 12 points himself to the Steelers, or the offense did. The Steelers got minus four yards offense in the fourth quarter the other night, and that was it. Uh so, uh, and they still won the game. I got people calling me right now. I want to know what's going on, but I can't. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the bottom line is, uh, you got to be yourself and you got to do what the coach wants. This question from finance dog is the offense problem in quotes, more of Carson Beck being hesitant to push the ball downfield or Kirby keeping the training wheels on Bobo's last back. I don't know what's going on there. These phones. Uh, He's getting calls from everywhere. But to me, you can say that about just about any offense. It's just, uh, regardless if it's ours or anything, we, we haven't pushed the ball down the field. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, we had some really good series. The first half, 14 plays, 13 plays. We missed a field goal. Uh, you know, they made some plays South Carolina, but, uh, 
you can make comparisons. We had games last year. We scored 16 points against Kentucky, against uh, Missouri. We, we were woeful in the first half. Uh, against Tennessee, we did nothing in the second half, regardless of why we did or didn't. We didn't do it. Uh, and against Tech, against Tech, the first half, we were terrible. So you can make comparisons all you want to about last year, this year, whatever you want. But I think the, the, the when a guy's trying to establish himself at quarterback, sometimes you're a little bit ultra careful and don't take the shot, particularly when you're not making first downs um, uh, easily or big plays easily. But I thought with the advent of the – and we talked on the Watch Along show with the advent of the running game coming along that Beck played a lot more secure knowing that he could hand the ball off and not just have to make every play himself. Uh, the biggest key in the game to me was the way our defense could not stop them in the first half. Uh, down at, they kept the ball away from us. They made big plays. Uh, they attacked our, our uh, extra defensive back, whoever it was, without Bullard in there. And uh, they share as a defensive group and coaches just as much with that first half as the offense. If you had to grade who played the best, probably the offense because they did score three. <laughs> the defense gave up 14, and the offense didn't, uh, you know, really make many mistakes. They just didn't capitalize in the red zone. So uh, let's go on to the next one. Well, there were two uh, issues uh, in the the Georgia shot themselves in the foot with penalties. It's like uh, you know you can't can't hold. I mean, it's just uh, some some. Uh, that was the second half, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. but I'm just saying, when you're driving the field and all of a sudden you you kill yourself on a drive and you only get three drives in the first half, you could have had a fourth one, but two guys didn't get out of bounds or weren't called out of bounds on that one minute drive. It's just yeah. uh, it, 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 never, it that first quarter, the first half felt like if anything could go wrong, it did go wrong, and they you know drive down the length of the field and have trouble in the red zone, and then. You should have been off the field on one of their drives. You get them in third and 16, third and 15, and they hit a little, uh, what, maybe a tunnel screen or something, and you miss tackles left and right. Uh, Kirby mentioned that a couple times. So it's uh, that was offensive problems. Yeah, don't let them score as much. That would help. Get the ball back. Give yourself some, uh, give yourself some plays. And Kirby also said that uh, Carson checked five or six times into different plays because they had a better uh, defense had a look that would have made the play they had called ineffective. And he also talked about sometimes the middle third covered up. It's like, we're not going to throw it downfield when the middle third of the field is covered up. You know, the general tendency, which I think I want to make sure that I'm not too uh, quick to say that it's okay to question things, but the general tendency for, you know, hey, it's, and you see these people bombs away, throwing the ball deep, and you, you see some things with uh, guys just making it easy on short yardage and all that, and why can't we do it? I mean, uh, we, we haven't done it like we I feel like we're capable of, but uh, we, we don't have the firepower we had last year either. Uh, we, we really don't right now. Uh, yeah. And now, if you just – the one uh, – uh, the one analysis I would make, we had approximately half of our team back from last year. When you look at the guys that left, seven of which are playing in NFL, three of our top five eleven right now aren't playing. Bullard, Mims, and McConkie. So, come on. Uh, you, you got high expect expectations. This team we played last year beat Tennessee like a drum, 63 to something. The quarterback was on fire like he was against us in the first half, and they won at Clemson, at Clemson. They got the leading receiver and the leading quarterback percentage-wise in the conference, and they executed, and you give them credit. But, uh, we, you know, everybody wants to know what's going to be the final verdict, how we're going to keep working. We got plenty of room for improvement. We'll adjust here losing Mims. We got to adjust without Bullard. Uh, we're not the same defensive secondary without him. I mean, we got holes there. So, uh, and then McConkey just gives you so much that we hadn't had as far as big play. He can really make big plays. South Carolina made a lot of good plays. I, I thought Carson Beck's best pass of the game 
was to the end zone to Ra Ra Thomas. And it was a beautiful ball. It was a good route. South Carolina made a play. It happens. It's football. Yeah, they really did cover that. That was a nice throw. And I think the the rain really didn't have that much to do with anything, though. I, I, it certainly hurts the pass rush because it's harder to rush the passer in the rain because you can't change directions and things like that. But uh, uh, 24 to 14, when you didn't have your best shot, I mean, I'll take it. The thing that I liked is the way we played in the second half when, you know, adversity hit us. And uh, we talked about that on the watch along show. We'll find out what these kids are made up here in the second half. I mean, thing two years ago, three years ago, South Carolina, we, we didn't do it and they got us. So, uh, uh, good point. I, I still think this team is going to be good, but we got a long way to be in a dominant team. Fair. This question from Big Fatty 94. Do you believe that all of the starter injuries will catch up to Georgia? Are the Bulldogs just that good and with enough depth to be fine, at least during the regular season? Yeah, I'm starting to worry about it, Fatty. Uh, I'm really uh, – it's it's an issue because, like I just mentioned in the, the last statement, three of your best five players – in my estimation, aren't out there. And uh, you got to get the, the other two I would mention that really they're out there, Bowers and Starks. And then there's others that are good too. But, uh, you know, I saw a pro scout today uh, and talked to him just a little bit. And he said he, he just couldn't believe how good Mims played pass protection-wise. I mean, he was – he said, you just don't have guys like that that can move their feet and, and leverage guys – he, you know, he said that's going to be a hard guy to replace, but uh, it's not going to affect his draft status one bit. I promise you that. Listen to this guy talk. So uh, that's we'll, good. Just, we'll just see. Uh, but far as far as you, you can't keep hoping that some of these five-star, four-star players are going to come in there without the experience and be able to play on the level they're going to have to. But Good news is I don't see a whole lot of traffic in the way here. You know, Missouri looked a little better than I want them to be, and uh, certainly Florida's got their – Florida's a great example of injuries. They played the Utah game without two of their starting offensive linemen. They couldn't run the ball for a foot, and then they ran up and down the field on Tennessee with two starters back. So uh, we'll see how they do. You know, they got Charlotte this week, but uh, then they got the – big game with the uh, UK right before we played Kentucky. So uh, injuries are part of the game. There's no question about that. And you got to, some years you, you're very fortunate and some years you're not right now. Our fortune need to change a little bit. Look at, look how different Georgia appeared with the return of Dejan Edwards. You missed him the first two weeks and you had Kendall Milton who's, valiant in his efforts, but still not quite hundred percent. And I feel bad for him with his uh, MCL issue. But when Dejan comes back, came back healthy, they fed him the ball. He gets over hundred yards rushing and was just an absolute difference maker. And Kirby smart was asked about that in the post game. He said, look, he makes people miss in the hole. He makes cuts, he breaks tackles. And sometimes right. you get a hat on a hat and you block everybody. Sometimes your running back has to beat one of their guys. It's one-on-one. And you know, can you make a move? Can you break a tackle? Dejan does that. And yeah, that was a good point. And I saw today, uh, I, I read a lot of stuff about pros and uh, Jim Nagy from the uh, senior bowl had uh, Edwards listed as a guy. I'm hoping he'll come back. Again. Uh, does he have another year after this? Or uh, you never know how many years you got with COVID, but yeah. I don't think so with him, but you're right. I have no full answer. But people don't really realize this guy can play pro. You look at cook. Cook got over 100 yards on Sunday. Yeah. We had two backs from Georgia. Uh, if you're a fantasy football player, uh, Swift, 166 yards, and uh, Cook had uh, about 130. Uh, that's two guys that weren't the number one back at Georgia when they were playing here. And then you got, unfortunately, Chubb, it's a terrible injury. But talk, for our fans there, I talked to Ron Corson, our trainer, and he was in contact with Nick. Said, you know, he was destroyed mentally, but he, he feels like he's going to be able to 
you know, get repair on it. They're, they're trying to decide who's going to do it. Dr. Hancock, our doctor, did the first one. I'm not sure how the Browns are going to do it, but uh, that's just that's just a very awful injury. Now that broke my heart. The reason I, I mentioned him is, you know, the question about injuries. You look at the starters, losing Mims, one of your best offensive linemen, it's tough. Uh, you see what, you, you know, you lost Branson Robinson, who was obviously very effective last year. That's tough. Having uh, Kendall Milton sideline is tough. Look at Georgia's offense without Ladd McConkey. It's big. Um, and Javon Bullard, you saw the difference. First two games, Javon's everywhere. He's making huge tackles. Him and Malachi Starks, best safety duo probably in the nation. And I'm not taking a shot at, you know, uh, uh, Dan the Man or uh, David Daniel, but they're not Javon Bullard. And you can just see the difference. So, Kirby Smart, to open the press conference on Monday, said, I just spoke to Ron Corson. This is the most beat up I've been in my tenure here. You know, in his eight years, he's that many players down. And it just – I was watching the uh, stream from uh, his press conference just a few minutes, uh, about 7 o'clock. He's like, yeah, these guys are – yeah, so-and-so can't practice. So-and-so is not ready yet. It just doesn't look good. Thank God you got UAB and not uh, Tennessee this weekend. Yeah, well, everybody wants you to- – and here, here's about our depth and all that, and, and I, I can understand that. But it takes a lot to mesh a team, and it takes individuals that have different skill sets to come in there and uh, augment other guys and do things like that. So, And we have an intricate system, no question about it. So uh, even though you say, well, you know, Georgia should be able to do that, but realistically – you take three of the best five players off of Ohio State, three of the best five off of any. Uh, they'll take one, take Marvin Harrison off there, and they'll they'll bitch about it for a year. Right. No, I'm just talking about you take them out of the uh, off their team and see how good they are. Yeah, uh, it's just it, it's okay that injuries happen, but who are the players that are happening to? And uh, I I do feel like though that we got enough within our system to regroup and play with who we got and be still be a really good team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not playing the world's smallest violin or anything, you know, for my heart pumps Pepsi Cola or anything like that. I'm just telling you, we, we got we got to realize that you just can't snap your fingers as a coach and expect to, to be what you thought you might be. I tell you, I saw these guys scrimmage, and, uh, and I told Ronnie, I went and had the uh, alumni, the, the players, get to see your old buddies and all that, guys I coached. That was one of the most impressive I've, I've seen a team look. This team is a shell of that as far as some of the guys that aren't out there now. Uh, real quick, talk about depth. You know, Georgia's real thin in running back room. We got a story on the front page of UJSports.com right now about following the future, guys that are committed to Georgia and how they're doing. You'll like this, Coach. Uh, Jabri Coleman, he's a 2025 running back commit uh, out of Philadelphia. Uh, he rushed the ball for uh, 39 times this past uh, Friday night, 281 yards. 39. Wow. Yeah, and almost 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. So well, that's that's a pretty well, impressive junior right there to keep an eye on. Junior, but we got those three, three – Three guys coming up that, uh, you know, one of them was here this weekend on his official visit. Uh, uh, the Nathaniel Frazier from out in California, number one multi-purpose back in the country. And then Bowen's a kid from Florida. And then the Dwight Phillips out of Pebblebrook. Yeah. So we have no blocking for him, by the way. We, we're we going to enhance that room. And I still think Andrew Paul can help, but been impressed with Cash Jones. I mean, he does what he's supposed to, and of course, a lot of teams like to have Bell back there running. So uh, we'll be okay there. And I'm really encouraged, by the way. Rod, Rod Thomas, number five and six, uh, is coming along too. I mean, uh, he, he's playing better and better. Here's what you got to remember: Kirby talks about those plays behind the line that aren't necessarily passes, that are flares and you know jet sweeps and things like that, and little uh, passes behind the line. You realize that when Devontae Smith won the Heisman Trophy as an Alabama receiver, he caught 
68 balls behind the line of scrimmage in his over 100 and some catches on the year. But they threw him 68, and he caught it 68 times. And every time he caught it, he's a threat. And that's what we're going to see with Lovett. I, I could see us throwing the ball to him and Bowers six or seven times behind the line every game. Why not? Make them tackle you. Yeah, but if you do that, then people bitch about Mike Bobo throwing a screen pass. Well, they, <laughs> they're going to they're do that. And uh, I think you made a good point the other day. There's, there's some built-in uh, people got an attitude about somebody and, and because of the past and if maybe Mike's name was Dane Young or somebody else and instead of being the uh, guy that used to be here, they say, well, you know, he's moving along. He worked a year under Munkin. He's coming along. He'll, he's had some injuries to his players. His best back hadn't played much. His best receiver hadn't played at all. He'll be okay, but no. Uh, they just <laughs> but the way people talk about him, it sounds I'm like they're talking about like Brian Ferentz. I mean, right. this, he coached Aaron Murray, SEC all-time passing leader. Right, and, <laughs> Matt, and Matthew Stafford. But, hey, these are our fans, and we got to – we got to, you know, do what they want. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say suck up to them. I'm just saying uh, we got to, we got to take care of our accounts and answer the questions. So what do we got next? You're fine. Hey, I want to take a quick break here and mention our friends over at uh, Academia Brewing Company. This is a great place. If you want to come in on a, you know, uh, I would say Friday, if you're coming up for the uh, whole weekend, but you can go in on a Thursday or Tuesday, whenever, but let's say, the game is late and you're thinking, well, where are we going to eat? Uh, are we going to get in that time to tailgate? I would swing by there, go to lunch, and then, you know, go to the game. Try this mocha chocolate cheesecake they have on their Facebook page. It just looks ridiculous. And the Jack's Cheesecake story is great. And they have a ton of stuff from Jack's Cheesecake in this place. You need to try it out when you get a chance. Swing by Academia Brew Company. Try all their new beers they have out. Uh, they just celebrate their sixth year uh, of being in business. Um, they have parties, they have um, uh, live music, they have car shows, they have bike nights, they have trivia, they have live music. Uh, there's, of course, there's always a new beer coming out all the time. I want you to swing by Academy Brewing Company on the west side of Athens. It's uh, uh, Matt Casey, huge Georgia fan. He's got some va- uh, buses out there you need to check out as well. He does. He's got some custom buses. Uh, but again, Huge dog fan, so I can guarantee you, come game time, you will be able to hear the game, and it will be on all the TVs in that place. It's not, oh, yeah, we've got the game back behind the small bar, you know, and they got loud pumping music everywhere. No, that's, that's a dog place to go watch a game, so try them when you get a chance. I also mentioned when you're on that side of town, go by Athens Fort. Okay, you're maybe a half mile away when you're on the west side. Go down by Athens Fort. Uh, they've got all sorts of uh, new deals out. Like, like right now, they have the uh, $7,000 off on the 2023 Ford F-150. Um, that Mustang Mach-E, you can get it now as low as uh, 459 a month for 39 months. Uh, qualified buyers. Just check out their inventory. I know there's uh, uh, a lot of questions in the air about uh, uh, the uh, UAW strike. My dad was a UAW member for years. Uh, very familiar with how the strike thing works out. But right now, they have a ton of inventory on their lot. So I uh, go out there. There's plenty of Broncos to look at. There's pr- plenty of uh, uh, focuses and explorers and uh, F-150s, 250s, all that sort of stuff. Uh, inventory hasn't been hasn't been this good ever since the start of COVID. So check them out when you get a chance at, at Athens Ford. Mike Frey's watching on YouTube. Says, Coach, aloha from Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Go dogs. All right. All right. Aloha. Uh, question on from the vent from North Buckhead Dog. Coach, how do you expect the offensive line to shake out this week with the injuries? With Blasky maybe back this week, does Trust slide back to guard? Did Fairchild play well enough to maintain that spot? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it'd certainly be good if Blasky's back. I mean, he, he's a guy that kind of a, a lot like Fairchild's worked hard, knows his, knows his craft, uh, plays good technique, and uh, – it keeps you solidified on the left side with trust and uh, over there at guard where you got to make the calls. A lot of them backside calls when you run to the right and things like that. And 
uh, you, you're used to playing with a guy. But I thought Trust did a really good job of without much work coming over there and playing right away. And what we always try to do is put the best five out there. So if Blasky is better than Fairchild, I would, say, I would think maybe, I mean, this week, then he would probably play right tackle and Trust play left guard. But if he's not ready to go or Fairchild's playing better, and he did good job. I mean, he played really good. And he's really strong. I mean, the first thing anybody says over there when you ask him, God's the strongest guy on our team. Now, if you say this guy's the strongest guy on Georgia's team, then he's one of the strongest players <laughs> in America. So, because uh, we got some stallions as far as the weight room, uh, it just it just mystifies me sometimes to walk through that weight room and see what these guys are doing and the way they work and how much they improve their their core strength from when they get here till they leave. Scott Sinclair does an amazing job of, of taking what each guy needs and taking his strengths and developing them and working on their things that aren't as good. And uh, our guys are cut. I mean, you see our DBs, they're cut. What I mean by that, you put them in a body magazine, they look good. I mean, these guys. So I would say right now, Based on last week, I could see the same lineup and finish the game. Uh, Jermaine King comment, Dylan Bell just needs a few reps at quarterback and he'll have one of those Hans Ward kinds of seasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see some uh, some of that stuff with uh, Wildcat where you, you put him back there and just let him snap the ball to him and he just goes on a predetermined play. I, I could see that. I mean, you see it all the time with uh, – people around the country where uh, there's a really good back and quarterback shifts out to wide receiver. Or, and we did it with Miko Hardman and we did it with Cook some. So uh, that could happen. And it could happen with Brock Bowers. That's another way for him to get the ball. 240-pound human bowling ball back there. So uh, that's a good idea, no question. Yeah, he did it with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle uh, against Oklahoma. Both of them scored from the wild dog formation. Yeah, good. Question from Billy Zane. I know you don't overhaul an offense when you have injuries, but with running back injuries piling up, do you think that you'll see a bit of a shift for more passing? I know we have very capable backs, but if we suffer any more injuries, might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, good question. That's a very good question, Billy. I, I really believe, though, if, if for we can go with the – Three Musketeer trio of uh, Edwards, uh, Bell, and uh, Cash Jones. Good enough to win with right there. They all can catch the ball. They can all uh, pass protect. They can run into traffic. They got quickness. And uh, maybe not the big back, but although Bell is pretty big. But uh, not enough to take your style and just say, hey, we're just going to air it out. Now, the first couple games we did because we didn't have – we didn't have Edwards and Bell hadn't even ever played running back. But now, uh, I mean, after Saturday, you got to feel good about the way those three guys looked. And the one thing we haven't done that I, I can see us doing is throwing the ball to Bell out of the backfield. Start throwing him some of those screens, some of those flares, letting him run the angle route. You know, like Kenny Mack, you know, step up like you're blocking off the weak side tackle or chipping and then coming back over the middle. I mean, you get the ball to him over the middle against some of those linebackers. Uh, I can see that evolving. And the young man works at it. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of when I used to have Champ Bailey. I would bring Champ in for a little one-on-one -on -one stuff and uh, not in the, in the normal meeting where you just focus on the whole uh, wide receivers and all. You just have one guy and you're talking about, what you got to do. And I noticed Bell today when I was over there uh, meeting with, with the coach a little bit, picking up some extra stuff. So uh, I was impressive with the way he was energized looking at him and listening to him. And the guy's fired up. I mean, he loves Georgia and he, he loves his role. I mean, he's getting to play and he's doing the, He's making a big contribution to our team. I also think he, uh, before you cut out the run altogether, we saw what Makai Muse can do back there, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with these skill guys. I mean, we got a good skill level. Uh, open field running is going to be be pretty good, I think. 
Shout out to the uh, North Oconee band. You're going to hear them in the background here through the way in Bogart. Where, where are they playing? Uh, I can't tell just yet. I need to, I need to get a little black eyed pea. I need to get some boom, boom, pow. I need to get that. <laughs> I, got the, I want to get some boom, boom, pow going there. Bobby, there you go. There's your clip. Bullet for the show. No, don't, don't put that on there for me. That embarrassed my kids. <laughs> J.Dot34, two questions for Coach. What halftime uh, half adjustment did you see against South Carolina? And then with all the injuries starting to rack up, which player do we miss the most so far this season? And why is it Javon Bullard? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things you do, first of all, if you wait to have time to make an adjustment, you're usually probably going to be beaten because whatever they're doing to hurt you, you better be stopping it in the second quarter as well. You know what I mean? That's why you got you see the coaches over there with the players after each series talking to them. But you, you always – we used to time our halftime. We'd put the clock up there, and it'd be going just like you're looking at any clock. You go 1940 – 1836 going down and you had segments the coaches would meet together for three minutes the coaches the coordinators would meet with the the players for uh like i mean the position coaches would meet with their players like four minutes and then the coordinators would talk for like three minutes then the head coach would get in there and uh, talk and then with five minutes to go you know you get ready to come back out so it's got to be systematic but as far as the changes uh, what are they doing to hurt us? Uh, what have they done that we weren't ready for? What did we do to hurt them? And uh, I just can't believe these people calling me here. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, popular coach here tonight. We're, we're in the social hour. So, uh, but the bottom line is you've got to be able, the first thing you got to do is let your players rest. I've always felt like this. There's a lot of stress involved in the game, anxiety and all. Get them off their feet. If you're playing in a very humid, wet day, a lot of times change uniforms. You know, get a fresh uniform on or at least change a jersey and your undershirt. But get the players to rest. Talk to the doctors about who can go and who can't, and then get your lineups set. What's hurt us? Like I said, what are we going? What can we do to hurt them? Uh, why haven't we done this that we planned on doing? And then you cut condense your game plan that you had six days and six nights to work on down into a very concise amount of we can't be screwing around here. We're down. Uh, I think it'll be important for if you can tonight. I saw a little bit of the excerpts of the SEC inside, which showed Georgia last week, showed Georgia in at halftime and talked. Kirby Smart talking to his team about we're going to have about six possessions here on offense, and they're going to have about six on their team, and we got to score four times, and they got to hold. We got to hold them to one, and that's what he told his team. He said we got to do it moment by moment, all that. But be a good example of, to watch it. It's going to be on. Well, it's on right now. If it's eight thirty, don't watch it now. Wait, tape it, and you got to listen to us. But. Uh, the the biggest thing is reassure your players that what we what we've got a good plan, and if you're better than the other team going in, I always talk to my players. I say don't let doubt creep in. If you start doubting yourself or doubting our plan or doubting what's going to be our success, then their team is going to be a lot more successful about you. You you're going to expect to win instead of worrying about losing okay and that's the way to go out the second half and i thought our team really did a good job of that going out and seizing the moment and taking that's a little bit too much philosophy for you but that's no, no you're right because kirby smart was asked about that specifically you know what kind of fire and brimstone hellacious speech did you get at halftime to you know get at, get after their butts and he's like that that's not what happened we were very calm we were very collected in that room and he seemed I don't say excited, but he seemed uh, uh, maybe relieved because he said, I learned more about my team today than I have throughout the entire situation. And I think yeah. if we pulled any clip, I was thinking, about, should we pull a clip for this? He said, you only get better by playing close games. He said, every team in the country is going to have a tight game. He says, you get better playing close games. He played a close game. 
It didn't cost him. He won, but he got an idea of what was going to happen. You got a new leader quarterback. You got some, some new faces on the defense who've moved around a little bit. And they went in trailing by two scores at home when they shouldn't have been. And everyone's like, what the hell is going on? There, he said there wasn't finger pointing. The offense wasn't calling out the defense, which you've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. Everyone's snappish with each other. Everyone's mad at each other. Uh, he says, no, they were very cool, calm, and collected. And we said, we're going to go out there and win, you know, one play after one play, you know, one point after one point. We're going to do it methodically. Like you said, he laid out, we got a score on four of our six uh, uh, drives. Keep them to only one. Georgia, Georgia threw a shutout in the second half. Um, uh, Spencer Rattler was torched him through the secondary. All of a sudden, he couldn't get the passes off or they were dropped or tackled on the spot. You didn't see a lot of missed tackles in the second half, a lot fewer penalties. And I, I'm not saying he was happy about it, but he had some questions answered. And that's like one of the first things he said was, I learned a lot about my team. And uh, yeah, you got to do it under fire. And the other thing that he related to is, look, this team's built for this. We had this happen to us last year. We yeah. were on the road. This happened to us. Uh, you know, that's what you coach your players up in practice. Uh, you, you practice situations where you're behind and, and you've got to make these plays and all that. So you 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 practice the situations that got you beat and, and work on them. And they worked hard on that. Missouri come from behind style last year uh, with the way we played the second half. We, you know, remember how many passes we hit to Kenny McIntosh, very similar to what we threw to uh, and to Bowers, very similar to what we threw to uh, Lovett and to uh, Bowers in the second half. Roddy, I want you to know I'm fighting all of my comedic instincts right now to not call Coach's phone. I really want to call Coach's phone right now. Cut it off, man. I don't know. I've had I've had two calls. One's a recruiting call. This guy wants his son to come to the game, and I got no idea what to do about it because I the last guy I recruited was David Pollock. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what to do there. So, and then he's wearing me out on it. And then another one was uh, nil, which I'm trying to help some with. So I'm gonna have to call him back. So, any of y'all want to have give some money? I saw. This is unbelievable today. Southern Methodist SMU, which is a good program. They're going in the ACC. And, you know, they're going to go in there and not get any TV revenue for nine years just to get in the league and get the schedule. Last week, seven guys gave them $100 million. Wow. Whoa. So you think their NIL ain't going to be stronger than Aunt Mary's breath? Um, we're seeing that parody play out across the nation. I mean, that's, things are back. That's on the national wire. And Mike Kevin was telling me today about it because he, like me, trying to help with NIL, but he he knows those people at Southern Methodist too. So, wow, that's a pretty impressive hundred million in, in one week. Mustangs are just a couple generations early. Yeah. I can't I can't help you with the NIL thing, but I bet Will Myers uh, over in the recruiting office they had a ton of kids come in for this past yeah, game. Well, We'll get that straight, but uh, and, and, uh, I apologize for that, but uh, the, I'm going to have to get back to him. What's the next question there? Uh, Coach, do you think Alabama's problem is quarterback play, or is it bigger than that? That's Lane Kiffin, man. He's analyzing everything. I saw where he was saying that Alabama changed play callers and all that stuff. You know, he works on their mind, but uh, certainly they're going back to Milrow. I would think that you'll see – uh, very similar to what Jalen Hurts does with the the uh, Eagles offense. Instead of that Bryce Young stuff they were trying to do the first three games, I think they'll move Milrow on the edge and move him around. I like Milrow. Maybe I'm uh, in the minority as far as people, that, but I think Milrow can be a winning quarterback for them. I don't know about their defense, though. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how good – Ole Miss is. I mean, I, I mean, I would have never thought Jackson Dark could get 100 yards rushing, but he's now running up and down the field, and they got good receivers. But their defense still got a long way to go, too. But the team that surprised me that looked like dog manure was Mississippi State against Glenn uh, trying to cover LSU. I mean, LSU all of a sudden looks really good. From BKUGA? How, had, how do you think Georgia's defensive line has played overall, and who do you see as the leader of that group? 
I think Michael Williams is a leader, uh, just in Stackhouse, of course, has got good leadership. And, and then Logue is a senior guy that's always does everything right. But, you know, I think uh, we did a lot better job rushing the passer the second half because we covered them better. You know, we got some coverage pressure on him. He was getting the ball out a lot quicker in the first half. But, uh, you know, they had a couple nice runs. But uh, overall, you're not going to stop anybody cold. We've been spoiled here with all the way we just shut people cold, but shut them down cold. But uh, I think getting Marvin Jones back will help our defensive rotation too on the edge too. Uh, Linebacker-wise, I've seen the evolution of Sori and Walker be pass rushers now in that Jaguar look where you got 18 and 11 lined up two two more. I mean, you actually have four linebackers in the game with uh, Dumas Johnson and, uh, and uh, smile in there at the same time. So I, I think our, if we can dictate down a distance, a lot like the 20, 22 team, we're a lot better team defensively without Bullard being with him out you know, it's harder to be as overall as good as we need to be in the back end. I could see us taking some athletes like Harris or uh, even taking Everett and moving moving him over to Nickel, moving Tyke back there. You know, get your best 11 out there like you do on offense. Uh, who knows what we'll do, but that, that can be something that can happen. Uh, Brent pointed out that Warren Brimson has been quite effective in getting some. I forgot to mention Warren. I, I knew I'd miss that. Warren's always good. I mean, he plays. He plays very consistent, and he's definitely going to tell the refs if they make a mistake too. He, he can, <laughs> he's very good at uh, emulating what happened. But I like him, and he practices good, and uh, got a good. You know, he's been good for Georgia, and forty-four continues to just be a force that's going to get better and better. And Big J probably will too. I mean, he he gets to work. He reminds me of Davis the way he started out a little slow his freshman year, but he's coming on. I saw one of those South Carolina guys reach for Warren Brinson, and, you know, they always tell you knock the hands away. He spun that guy about you know, 90 degrees, <laughs> just sit right past him. I'm like, okay. He's been taking those Trey Scott hand fighting lessons uh, to heart. So it was, it was beautiful to watch. Roddy, you know what else is good for Georgia? Your pie. Your pie is very good for Georgia. Tonight is double points night, so it's a little late. It's like 9 o'clock. I can't get my double points in, but you can because you can order today for lunch tomorrow or dinner tomorrow. So go in and say, hey, uh, I want to get the new Philly cheesesteak pizza. I want to get the uh, breadsticks. I want to get the. I want to get a salad. I want to get the uh, pasta. I want a gelato. Uh, give me a brownie, too, and uh, I'm going to pick it up tomorrow at lunch. So swing by, you know, swing by any, any Your Pie to pick it up. But you can order it tonight on the Your Pie app. Say, uh, be, or you can, hey, you can order for delivery. But you can go ahead and set when you want to swing by or when you want to deliver it, and you'll go ahead and get the points now, the double points. And of course, those points they add up very quickly. You get free pizzas, free uh, gelato, free breadsticks, uh, free drinks, all sorts of great stuff. I mean, it's like if you, you know, people they're like, I'm, I'm. I'm a Delta person. I'm a, I got to get my Delta points, which those aren't as good as they used to be, but you know, I got to do everything through Kroger. Well, you know, the loyalty rewards, some loyalty programs are good. Some are not. Well, the one that your pie is fantastic. And I always do it on Tuesday because that's the best night day of the week to get your extra points. So hit up your pie when you get a chance. And I also want to mention a friend of ours because you, you can get a your pie franchise but let's say I don't want to do pizza, but I want to, I like the idea of owning my own business. I like being in charge. I like uh, being the person that signs the front of the checks, you know, and paying other people and, you know, being the owner. Well, reach out to my perfect franchise. Reach out to Andy Ludecki over there. Uh, you can hit him up on the uh, email him, text him, smoke signals, you know, uh, seance, whatever it is. You can get a hold of Andy Ludecki and he will take care of you. He will walk you through a ton of different options you know, from fully involved to uh, you know, dangling a foot in, if you will, when it comes to franchising. It's a completely different world. And if you don't know anything about it, well, that's where Andy steps in. That's his business model is to take you through all the steps and help you out. And Andy will absolutely do it. 
It doesn't cost you anything. So if you look into it and you decide it's not for you, and no, no worries, no harm, no foul. You decide you like it, and you'll get paid by the, whoever you're going with the franchise with. So it never costs you a dime. So reach out to Andrew Decky when you get a chance. I'm going to adapt Bulldog Ben's question to be a bit more philosophical. Coach, how do you get momentum with a passing attack? Well, one of the things you, you always want to do early is establish some confidence, uh, you know, with your your quarterback. Uh, first of all, uh, you, you try to build in some easy completions, but also some reads that don't constitute a lot of different because you're not sure what the other team's going to do. So, for instance, if you put a guy in motion, sometimes that's good for your offense, but the defense doesn't do what you thought they would do, and it confuses the quarterback. So I like to just kind of early on let the quarterback get a good feel for what the other team's doing and not make the other, you know, make them adjust too much. Now, it's okay conversely to make them adjust too. So you need to build in a little bit of that too after you get rolling. So I think the biggest thing is just don't get any false sense of security where, you know, he's better than he is by trying to, these things that that aren't that average as far as the consistent throws. So the bottom line is you got things that really work good in practice. If they're working in practice against your scout team, that you expect the defense to run against you, then they're probably going to be okay to try in the game. But if you you got this good idea and it doesn't work against the scout team, that play's not going in for me in that game because my scout team not as good usually as that other team. Sometimes they are, but so the, the other thing is, what's your offensive line's capability to hold out the other team? So instead of maybe doing a five-out route where you, every lineman's blocking one-on-one, -on -one, you might – till you can really, – they got a really good pass rusher, you might really, starting out, put two guys on their best guy and, and make sure that the quarterback can, doesn't get discombobulated on his first throw and gets jacked. And then that gets in his mind, you know, thinking about, hey, I got to watch out for this guy here, you know. and, and So – my deal with the quarterback is try to establish as easy communication as you can as far as the play and the formation where he can really settle in on what the defense is doing and execute as compared to really trying to just bombard him right off the bat, you know. So uh, that's the way I try to start. Question from Till Dog. Coach, you've mentioned you really like Andrew Paul's potential at running back. Any idea why we're not seeing more of him? Is that knee bother? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with him. Uh, these other guys are playing good, too, but uh, he might be having some knee issues. I don't know. I need to ask about that, but uh, I like him. I mean, he catches the ball. He runs with speed and agility. Uh, Got to be something wrong with him. I think he had a little knee swelling. You know what, I mean? what I mean by that one. Well, He's got to have some injury situation when I say something wrong with him. Yeah. No, he's, you're clear. From Bush Dog, what defensive adjustments did Georgia make against 17 Xavier Leggett in the second half? Did Georgia switch defenders or was it more scheme? Yeah, I thought our leverage was better as far as where we were ended up on the guy. And, uh, you know, we weren't chasing him near as much as. You know, starting a game, and I think Roddy mentioned it uh, in his report that I read there before the game because he always tells me what's going to happen. But there was a – he was talking about 17 was really a good receiver and we were going to have to negate him. You know, he's leading the league. And he started out the first drive and caught two good ones. And, you know, we got caught trailing him on one and then he, uh, another one he just broke inside. But I think – what they did was, if you just look at my formation here, number one, he's lined up as a split in on the backside of a three-by-one. Number two, he's lined up as a slot on a three-by-one, working on your nickel guy. And number three, he's worked out, lined up as the inside receiver on a three-by-one right here. He's this guy. So what we were trying to do is play him with whoever the guy was that had that position. And in the second half, we uh, kind of 
figured out where he was and, and made sure we had more than one guy on him. That makes sense that's, to me. That's why it's a coach. Yeah. Uh, that's all of our questions from UGASports.com, which got us mostly through the show. But now we get some uh, fun ones from YouTube. From Jerry W., Coach Donnan, why don't teams use the fullback position much these days? Well, the first thing, you don't recruit them. Uh, there's not any teams in high school that run the, you know, a few teams run the wing T and things like that, but it's hard to find a guy that's just a blocking type player. You know, most of the teams run the spread where the guys are running back and he catches the ball. And But what we've seen here, and it's a good question, is the evolution of what we call the U, which is the, the not the Y. The Y is a tight end, but the U is a guy that comes in for a fullback, and he can line up as another tight end or a motion guy, or he can come in the backfield, but he's a bigger person. He's a tight end type or a hybrid type that can play line up on the line of scrimmage and block, but also come out of the backfield and catch passes or go in motion and be the lead blocker or go in motion and block the backside when you run duo or split zone and things like that. So there is a fullback type, but he's called the U now, and he's a bigger guy. Roddy, I'm going to send this one your way because it's one of your favorites. Given the running back depth question, why have we not heard more about Savon Clark? I, I'm a big Clark fan. You go out there, watch practice. He looks like an SEC caliber back to me, but it's just a situation where uh, what when you see Dylan Bell do what he does, it, it's tough. To, are you ahead of him? Or are you ahead of Dejon Edwards? Or are you ahead of uh, Cash Jones? It's just tough. I mean, he's good, but he's just not as good as those guys, apparently. So, I mean, they give him all the chances in the world. Uh, again, big fan. I, I'm, I think – I could see teams reaching out to him, trying to get him to transfer, which of course would be tampering, but we know that stuff happens. And I'm like, I think this guy's a great back, but I'm, I'm, I remember everyone was talking about uh, Laneith Whitehead playing. I'm like, well, Savon Clark knows the offense better. So if you're getting down that far in the depth chart, which you may be, uh, it wouldn't shock, wouldn't shock me to see him out there. We saw him play a little bit, but you know, it's just tough to get ahead of all those other guys. A uh, question from Andy Adams. It seemed like Dalen ever got picked on a little bit from South Carolina in that game. Shane Beamer must have done some homework. Does Georgia not have a better corner than Everett? I, I'm going to interject here. South Carolina is a really, really good quarterback. And so he may, he's likely the best in the SEC. And good oh, corners no, don't struggle he's, against that. He's definitely good, but I, I don't know if he's the best. But he, he had a good first half. But here's the thing. We got number three out there who's among the better athletes and the better, better corners in the country in Kamari Laster. And if you got a choice to throw on him or a, or a guy that's never played before, you're going to throw on him. We're still trying to establish that corner position. We got Julio Humphrey. We got Dylan Green that can play there. We got Harris. We got some other guys, but you, you're not going to shut him down. I mean, he, he, you're going to, and he's a little nervous there. I was glad we played off him the first half. They didn't hit a lot of deep balls on him. They did hit a couple deep crossing routes, but uh, you, you're just not going to shut down a good receiver cold. And uh, I think Everett will continue to improve. He's got big, big shoes to fill being a corner in Georgia, but uh, it's definitely a good question. But I got my choice. I'm going to throw on anybody but Lassiter. I wouldn't throw on Lassiter. Yeah, Lassiter had three pass breakups in that game, so that's you – know, you, I wouldn't throw on him either because he proved it in game. And I think you pointed out ex ex exactly what they were doing with Levitt is like, uh, let's move him here so that he gets covered by a safety. Let's move him here so he gets covered by a safety. Let's move him here so he gets covered by a safety. And therefore, you know, you try to pick – you have him versus uh, Dan Jackson or uh, – uh, David Daniel, who were, didn't really know they were going to start until right before the game or play that much before the game. So, yeah, they're going to pick on you, you go after that guy, but that doesn't mean that uh, Dalen Everett's not the answer there. So, yeah, the biggest uh, deal is all these teams got coaches, they got analysts. I mean, they watch these guys, everything about them. I mean, you, you can't imagine the fine tooth comb that. The, the, the scouting reports are. And the, uh, when this guy's foot is in this position, he's playing this kind of coverage on the get-go. 
when this guy's uh, lined up in this position that a little bit off the ball at tackle, it's a pass. When he's got a little weight forward on his hand, it's a run. You know, we, we try to work on looking for tips like that. And uh, so if you're playing, if you're overmatched, which South Carolina had to feel they were coming in here, you're going to look for ways that we can be successful against their, the the weakest part of their team. And we had a new corner. Uh, so we had a safety go down. That's why you see when a, a guy gets injured, a team will go right after to the next guy that comes in next play. I need to do some producing on the fly here because we uh, have less than five minutes left. Coach, do you have a joke for us tonight? No jokes. I mean, you ain't went 24 to 14. You know, and I'm, I'm, I got my game face on for UAB. I got no jokes this week. Uh, Roddy, yes, this is what uh, – we have one more break in us. Yeah, I want to mention uh, a new sponsor that you saw on the Watch Along show. It's uh, My Better Life Science. And it's basically a uh, company uh, – one of the partners is Josh Millard, very well-known, very well-beloved Georgia football player. Uh, he's part of this thing, uh, part of this group. And it's basically a – uh, test kit, you know, people that have done like the 23 and me type things where you send in a little sample uh, and they test it and say, hey, you're 16% uh, Nigerian, you're 43% Egyptian, you're 19% Scotch-Irish, whatever. Well, that's all cool, but that won't save your life. This test from Better Life Science will, it's an allergy test and a food intolerance test. And so you can check it out and it will test up to about 295 different items. And it's really easy to go to their website. It's my, mybls.com, My Better Life Science. You don't have to remember the whole name. Just remember MyBLS. And it will test you for food and allergies and uh, uh, environmental things. And this is a company that was, they're right here in Georgia. They were the first to discover COVID in the state of Georgia. And they did tons and tons of tests. They created all these tests. When you were trying to find a test, very likely you bought the ones or were given the ones from My Better Life Science. And now they've taken a lot of that laboratory space and converted it into allergy testing. So check them out when you get the chance. They do a great job. And uh, we have Josh who can vouch for them. And Coach Don and I went there. We had our tests done. Uh, they did a little stick on your finger, try it out. Uh, they test almost 300 items. And coaches immune to anything except bad football. You know, apparently he has no sensitivities or allergies. And I have a sensitivity to paper wasp venom. So I avoid wasps anyway. So I'm also allergic to spiders. It didn't say that, but I know I am. So I don't like spiders. Uh, I do want to mention also our friends at uh, Dead Soxie. They just had that 40% off deal because Georgia was able to uh, win by 40 points last week or more than 40 points. And they had the whole... Uh, excuse me, two weeks ago, uh, and they had the margin of victory sale, and they maxed it out at 40. So I know a lot of people bought uh, socks from them at 40% off. That's that's ended. But you can still get 25% off if you go to deadsoxy.com and use promo code UGA Sports. And you can see, like, they have those cool no-shows there with the uh, red uh, and black and white stripes on them. They have tons of great black and white socks. If you didn't get a set for this year, then you're the reason – you know, Georgia's a little slow in that first half because they've been a sponsor for two years. Georgia's won two championships. If you didn't get them this year, maybe, maybe, don't don't screw with the tradition. So hit our friends at Dead Soxy, and they will take care great care of you like they've taken great care of us at, here at UGA Sports. Uh, we'll take two more questions from Alex. Why did Makai Muse not get more touches this past week? Just the luck of the draw. I mean, we, they're throwing the ball to uh, a lot to uh, – Love it, and he just didn't get it. So I mean, he he's behind, you know. Love it in the uh, pecking order, I guess. So uh, that's what happened. And then Francisco, I I like this question from just a a coaching strategy standpoint. Do you address the kicker? Three points can change a game here or there. How do you handle a kicker that misses a kick or two? Yeah, I think the one thing you got to do is 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 reassessing after the game, but during the game, I mean, you just got to go up there and, and, and talk to him and say, look, think about your technique. Uh, you know, we've got confidence in you. You can get another shot. 
uh, be ready the next time. But during the week, this week, when, when a guy misses two uh, and you got somebody that's really close, you put some pressure on them. You, you, you go out there and practice and you work on it, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you have special teams practice, but all of a sudden during the, the practice itself, you just stop and everybody will come up and they'll start yelling at the kicker and doing all that and, and see how he does with everybody watching. And the other guy gets to kick. And I know sometimes you say, if you miss one, we're going to make everybody on the team do up downs, which <laughs> that doesn't make the coaches feel. I mean, and then sometimes you say everybody that includes coaches, staff and everybody. So, I don't know that they ever do that here, but uh, it, the whole idea is put some pressure on them because that's nothing like it is when the band's playing and you got to have it. So uh, the guy has won the job and he's done good, but realistically he's missed three now. And, uh, you know, we've been spoiled. So I'm sure they, they're charting them this week. And if he, he was the best in practice, he'll get the job. And if he wasn't, they'll use another guy. I can't imagine – being the kicker responsible for Chadira uh, Uzo Deribe to have to do up downs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would feel bad telling Trey Scott or uh, Stacy Cereals, "Hey, sorry, coach, you got to do up downs," but Chadira just yeah, give me a look I like, and, know and you know he pop up and down too. I don't know if they'll do that here, but that's just another way of. Uh, yeah, uh, I know one thing we used to do for morale when you know trying to just everybody real hot or something, we'd have it in the practice. We'd let a big lineman see if he could kick a field goal from the 15-yard line. If he did, we wouldn't run sprints. And, boy, you talk about some pressure on those guys. Now. And then but sometimes the ball wouldn't even get two yards high. It looked like he pulled her hamstring kicking at it. And then uh, then we had, had a defensive lineman play bump and run coverage on an offensive lineman. They'd throw the fade route to him to see if they could – have another offensive line. <laughs> that, you know, that's good for morale. I like it. Uh, th- there was one other question here uh, from Francisco Hurtado. So, the Coach, could you say to Audible to move uh, the defense to have the – if you Audible, basically, do you give the defense the advantage of because you're changing the original play? Do I give the defense the advantage when I Audible? Yeah. I really think it's the opposite of that because – the reason I'm changing my play is what the defense is in, and what my play's not good against what they're looking. So uh, we got certain. But you know what you wanted to do? I think it's his idea. It's like, hey, here you you know, this is the play you want to run, but now you can't because they're in the they're in something. Well, that's, that's, that's true, but we got some runs that we're going to run, no matter if they got who they got over there. We're just going to go and say, hey, you got to stop us. Uh, but you got others that you got either or, or we just, just there's no way you're gonna be able to do it. So, but uh, you know some of those Ray Charles chicks. I mean, you know, I mean, there's nothing against blind people, but I mean, you just gotta. It's pretty obvious you gotta check that sucker off, man. Yeah, well, there were there were a few of those in the as we mentioned earlier. Um, Everybody was talking about. The, he said that that uh, that Beck made some good checks. Yep. Uh, same same uh, person, Francisco Otaro, says, is it possible Coach Bobo is trying to con- uh, be play conservative to protect Beck as opposed to opening up the playbook? You just mentioned how to get him in a rhythm. But I, to me, uh, when Kirby was asked about the specifics, he says the plays are the same. So I don't know that they're trying to not use the playbook. Do you feel like they've, they're calling – no, we're not holding anything back. We just don't. That's have, what I was going to ask. Thanks. We don't have all the chapters in the the playbook to to run. I mean, some of those plays to to uh, McConkey hard to run. I mean, it guys you got three or four reads on it by the receiver. I mean, these younger guys don't know how to do all that stuff yet. So, uh, I mean, do people really think that Mike Bobo was operating from a different playbook in the first half than the second half? No, I mean, if they do, they that, that's their. Uh, there's, I mean. We, we ran 79 plays the other night, got over 400 and some yards. Uh, I don't remember us being quite this harsh on uh, Munkin against Kentucky or Kent State or some of those people. We won 24 to 14. Uh, offense dominated second half. So, uh, uh, two years ago, great job. Mike, Mike, Mike Bobo, uh, 
They yeah, hit him up and then pressure a lot as a player and a coach. Uh, I feel good about it. Hi, right, folks. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We really appreciate you uh, changing your schedule up and joining us on at uh, in the evening. Uh, it means a lot to us. We had some stuff we needed to move around, and we my always fault. enjoy it. Yeah, it's my fault, but I was working for Georgia today. Absolutely. I, I can I can attest for the fact that Coach was doing some Georgia work there. So by you all joining us at 8 o'clock, you were helping Georgia out because you let Coach do some stuff that he needed to do for the Bulldog Nation. So we appreciate you joining us, and we uh, would really love it if you would uh, – Come back to this, you know, share it with your friends, maybe a comment under the video. And uh, again, thanks for getting us to 39,000 subscribers as we march to 40,000. We will see, see you. See if you can get 10 million for NIL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will see you folks next week. Take care.